And we are launching a new series today called um, Experiencing the Presence of God. So I'm going to be bringing this to you over the next uh, three weeks. And then in uh, at the last Sunday of June, uh, we're going to be visited by uh, Pastor Peter Burns, uh, who is the executive pastor uh, of the community church at Hornsby. Many of you would remember last year about this time that uh, Pastor Ian Miller, the lead pastor of the community church Hornsby, visited us and we had a fantastic weekend uh, praying for the sick and, and uh, just uh, receiving prayer for all types of things. Then Ian uh, led us uh, in a time of ministry at the coach house on the Sunday night. Well, Peter is essentially going to be doing the same thing, but we're also throwing in uh, a, a training session, uh, which we're calling Empowered Mission and Ministry. So that's going to be after church on Sunday, I think it's June the 25th, uh, if I've done my sums correctly, around that time. Uh, and then we're going to have the meeting on Sunday night at the Coach House again. So uh, the whole point of June uh, is leading us towards interacting with God's Holy Spirit uh, and understanding the nature of God's presence with us uh, and, and how he uh, interacts with us and how we can respond to him. So... Uh, we're going to take a, a Trinitarian structure, if you like, and it sounds like a big word. Perhaps you just fell asleep. Wake up, uh, and uh, you know what I mean. We're looking at the role of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, it'll be uh, it will be moving on next week. So I explain how that's going to work. There's more written in Scripture about God's desire to dwell with His people than there is about our desire. To dwell with him. Now I'm just going to run that by you slowly again. Just want you to absorb that. That when it comes to the Bible, the story of the Bible, what it talks about, there's far more in it about God's desire to be with us than about our desire to be with God. The great passion of God's heart, as he has revealed it to us from Genesis to Revelation, is to dwell in the midst of his people, is to be in the midst of his people. And not just to dwell, but to have a manifest presence. Some of you are going, whoa, manifest presence, why is that? Have you got, you know, can you give us an illustration? Well, not really. Um, manifest presence means a presence that's obvious, that's uh, apparent, that is real, that has an impact that makes a difference. So not just a presence in a sense that, yeah, I know God's everywhere, but a manifest presence in his people that makes a difference to them, to their lives and to the world that they're a part of and that they live around. And if that is the predominant theme of the word of God, then I think we can safely assume and work on the fact that when it comes to following Jesus and being the people of God, which we are here, uh, we are here at the Hills Christian Family Centre, then there's something in it for us to say, well, that ought to be some sort of a guide or some sort of a description for the, the presence or the life that we live together as we walk our own way as, as individuals, but also as we gather together, that we should be able to point to uh, and, and describe and enjoy together the manifest presence of God. Because he's been all about it, and I'll show you, starting this week, right from the start, God's been about having a presence 
with his people and then maintaining it, retrieving it, restoring it, redeeming it and, and then empowering it through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, so that it might be a reality in our life each day. That is, to know, God, to know the presence of God in our lives, that is the life that we're being called to. Psalm 139 tells us that wherever we might go, God is there. And Matthew 18 tells us that whenever two or three gather in Jesus' name, he is there in a different sort of a way than than when we're on our own. But in what way do we experience him in these moments and in these movements? So over the next three weeks, we're going to be examining, experiencing the presence of God, if you like, through three lenses. Today, it's God for us, the ministry of the Father. Next week, God with us the great move of God towards humanity through the life of Jesus Christ, the ministry of the Son, and then God in us, the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit through the death and resurrection of Jesus where God dwells not only with his people but in his people. The unspeakable, unbelievable reality that God would live inside humanity and move in and through them. And we are part of an incredible miracle when we say yes to Jesus because we, uh, if you like, grant the Father what he's always desired. We respond and follow after uh, the human, the God that became one of us forever in Jesus Christ. And then by God's grace, we are filled to overflowing as the presence of God comes to live and dwell with inside of us. It is a miracle. It is a privilege. And God's plan is that everyone would experience this incredible move of the creator God in and through those human beings that he's given life to. So you could say in this series that we want people to know that the, excuse me, that the Father desires to live amongst his people in a way that is real and noticeable, feel motivated to seek the presence of Jesus by themselves and with others and to encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit in a way that transforms them and translates into change in their journey through their daily lives. And if you stick with us on this journey over the next four weeks, I believe that you're going to arrive at a great place, whether it's something you've experienced before, something you desire to be renewed in. June is the time to go on that, tri- on that journey and that uh, destination with us at the end of the month. So where should we begin our journey? Well, can I suggest let's start at the start. <laughs> let's go to the first book, almost the first chapter, and look at how God interacts with the first person and then how he proceeds from there. The opening chapters of Genesis paint a beautiful picture of the relationship that God uh, had with his people from the outset, right from the start, excuse me. Uh, In this text, it is God who initiates this relationship. So often when we talk about God seeking a relationship with people, we immediately think of Jesus, you know, we're a Christian church, it's Jesus, we think of Jesus and that's good that we do that. But uh, we don't always 
think of on the one hand the Holy Spirit and even less so sometimes the move of God the Father from the outset. So did you know that you exist and breathe because a God wanted you to, that the God wanted you to be in relationship with him, that he wanted to enjoy you and see you flourish and move and breathe and have your being. You're not an accident. You don't just exist. You're not a result of the most spectacular chance upon chance upon chance that just happened to yield a respiratory system and a cardiovascular system out of nowhere. What a genius you are for thinking that up yourself and selecting it over some other option in a swamp. You amaze me. You're so amazing. But no, I can't give you the credit for that. You are a part of a design that's not just sees you eat and sleep, but that you would be someone in the presence of the God that brought you into life. So you are here and have been from the very start and people were brought forth by God so that he had someone to love and so that they might return that love to him. God wasn't lonely. He didn't get bored. It's just in his nature to be in relationship and to bring forward people that he might be in relationship with them. You are the object of love and affection of the highest order. And it's not unlike the urge... The desire that parents express when they get married. Firstly, they say, I'd like to share my life with you. Would you like to share your life with me? The joy that they experience when there's agreement, when there's submission, when they come together and a marriage begins. But they don't stop there. They then say, let's share this love we have with others. Let's have children. And for some of us, it happens once and we stop some of us twice and some of us just keep going and going and going, said the Paisalax. Five and a new people mover to replace the Yaristan. How are you going? Beautiful. Show us those people movies. We've got about 20 in the church uh, to look after our kids. So in some ways, we don't have to look too far, if you're thinking he's talking in abstract terms, we don't have to look too far for the expression because parents repeat the way that they are made. It's the nature of God in them to, cre- to bring forward life and to share their love and their life. And this is what God did right at the very start with the man Adam and the woman Eve. So it is God who initiates the relationship and it's God who sustains it by providing for it via the garden and then by coming to the first people in that place where they are when he visits Adam and Eve. But the text sadly also demonstrates our tendency to break fellowship with God right from the start by disobeying him and to use the blessings that he gives us in the garden to hide from him. Very interesting that the things that God gave would be used by the people to say, no, we, we don't want to be seen by you. So let's take a look together at how this story unfolds and find out some of the things that it might say to us. 
In Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 to 9, it says, The Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man that he'd formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, whatever you want to think about this story in terms of what it's speaking about, what happened when, it's definitely trying to tell us something about the relationship between God and people. And the reason for those two trees, I'll explain a bit more in a few moments' time. It's interesting to note that the Hebrew for man, Adam, I'm not sure if that's how you say it in Hebrew, but it works for me today, uh, sounds like and may be related to the Hebrew for ground, which is, of course, where Adam came from. It's a, a statement about our connection, if you like, to the rest of creation, and it's also the name Adam which we know. So the first human to experience the divine presence was Adam. Now there's lots of speculation about the nature of Eden, but there are a few things that we can say uh, that it was in terms of where it is and where it was. We don't know exactly, but Eden seems to be related to the Hebrew word which means to luxuriate or to delight in. So it's very much making a statement about what type of place it was. And we get a hint of this in Psalm 51 where it says, The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. So the image that we have of this Eden is one of delight, one of joy, one of gladness, thanksgiving and singing, almost of luxury. And not in, a, not in a greedy, glittering kind of way, but the pure goodness of the earth is found in this place. Um, Jude and I went down to Jetty Road at Brighton yesterday, which we do every now and again, and uh, went into a, a place that we call Marilyn's. It's not its name, but some of you know it. It's got pictures of Marilyn Marona. And uh, we thought we'd have some lunch after going for a walk. And... Um, Jude croaked, I was going to say Jude said, but Jude croaked uh, that she often has the soup and the bread. And uh, I looked at the description, vegetable soup, chicken, a couple of pieces of her bread, $8.90. And I'm thinking, that is good. That is good. So we order the soup and I'm just sitting there eating and I'm thinking, you know, vegetables, chicken, her bread. And I'm, I just said, I often say it when I'm eating, you, if you hear me, you might think I'm weird, but I often say, thank you, Jesus. This is good. This is simple. It's cheap, but it's good. It's the goodness of the earth just stored up there. I had a little Eden moment there on Jetty Road at Brighton. But you get the picture that I'm saying? It's, it's, not, it's not luxury in a sort of a you know, gold-plated taps type thing. Uh, I'm sure that if you've got those, by the way, enjoy them and give thanks to God. Maybe you'd like to sell them when we have our next offering. But anyway, in the meantime, in the meantime, uh, enjoy uh, the vegetable soup down on Jetty Road at the same time as your gold taps. Uh, but anyway, um, so 
I want to ask you a question now. Having painted this picture of Eden, do you have an Eden? Do you have an Eden? Now, some of you, some of you are thinking straight away. Absolutely, it's this place. Maybe for some of you, it's a garden. But it, it's a place that I want you to think about where you feel a special. I don't know, connection with God, peace. And it. I'm talking in the first instance about a physical space and that's fine because we are people that have bodies. Uh, God made space. We are spiritual beings, but did you know you've been given a boundary? <laughs> it's your flesh. Uh, so space impacts us. Uh, space being defined... Has, a, has an impact on us because we're bodies, we move in space. So when we're in the presence of other people, we're impacted by that. We're, we're, we're blessed, I trust, in the presence. Certainly as we carry the Spirit of God and others carry the Spirit of God, we're impacted by that. But when we step into a particular space, uh, especially one where we feel that we can connect with God, then we are in a blessed place. And, you know, I actually think that it's important that all of us have an Eden-type space. I actually think that we should seek it out, find out where that might be. You've heard me speak before about the importance of having a, a time of stillness and reflection every day in the presence of God, whether it involves prayer, whether it involves Bible reading, a cup of coffee, a bowl of vegetable soup, something there where you stop and have that moment of reflection. All of us should try to identify where that space is. You remember Pastor Bill Hybels used to talk about a bloke who had a chair, a rocking chair on his back deck, which is where he had his quiet time every day. So all of us should be able to identify, and if you can't identify a place that you would call your Eden where you are in the presence of God in a special, different sort of a way, then I invite you to start thinking about where that might be. Where might be a place that you could go? Uh, where might be a place you could stay? For you, it might be a garden. Jude loves the garden and I love looking at it. She loves working in it. It's a great arrangement and I just enjoy it. Now, I do a few, I sweep a few things up every now and again, but um, it, it's great. So maybe it's like that... But what I want you to understand as well, for anyone who's struggling to come up with that, is that it's not just the space that makes it Eden. Did you know? <laughs> so this is why it's possible at times for you to be in the most beautiful setting and to be absolutely desolate and distraught and the space itself is having no impact on you whatsoever. It is not lifting you up. Because through circumstances, where your relationship with God is, or perhaps it's non-existent, there's a hole in here. Because it's not just the space that makes it Eden, it's the relationship with the living God. And this is why it's also true that you can be in the worst possible space and still feel the presence of Eden in your life. 
It's why the Apostle Paul and his colleagues were able to be flogged for speaking in the name of Jesus and then thrown and put into chains in the inner darkest place and there sing hymns of glory to God, praising his name. Because there they were was the spirit of God as they lifted him up and worshipped him so they found a bit of Eden even in the inner cell of the jail. So while I encourage you folks to find an Eden, find a physical space, wherever that might be, it could be very simple, just a comfortable chair in a nice room, I also need you to know (laughs) that... God needs to show up in that space, that it has to be about him, not just the created order that's going on around you that's providing that blessing because that's what makes it Eden and that's what makes it a place of fellowship with God and that's what makes it a place that renews you and enriches you and touches you as you meet there with God. So where's your Eden? Have a think about that one and put that on your list. Okay, so the Lord has uh, made um, this garden. Uh, He's made the first person, Adam, and he takes him and puts him in the garden, uh, interestingly, to work it and to take care of it. Uh, He gives him a role and gives him a task in this place. So uh, any suggestion that... uh, All work is sin, uh, that uh, we only have to work because the first person sinned. It's not actually true. Hard labour and the difficulty and the struggle and the the curse of work at times is a different matter that I might speak on one day. But work, in terms of its, its natural order, is part of who we are. And it says there that he took... He put Adam in there to take care of it, work it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you'll certainly die. Fairly straightforward warning. Uh, Not unlike many warnings that we'd give our kids about stuff in the garden. (laughs) Don't touch that. Don't eat that. (laughs) You'll never be the same again if you put that in your mouth. Uh, so God gives him this choice and, and we're looking at that thinking, what is that all about? What, is it, what does it mean? I, I want to call your attention to a few things. There's probably more we could say, but, but check this out. The first human being, right from the start, is given a choice to make. Right off the bat, straight away, Adam, a choice is placed before him. And we might look at this choice and say uh, that in some ways it's the choice between life with God and life on our own, making our own decisions about what's right and wrong and going our own way. Right at the start, the the choice between life with God and the choice between life on our own. There are two trees in the garden and there's a choice for us. The choice between communion and intimacy with a Godhead and on the other hand doing our own thing. A test in the Garden of Eden right at the very beginning and God wanted man to choose freely himself, that's God, over self. And I want to say to you folks, that choice is there before every single person that's breathing here today. 
Every one of us has got a choice to make. You may not have been aware it, aware of it. Maybe you're hearing about it for the first time. Maybe now you're hearing about it again for the 10th time or the 15th time and you're reflecting on the choice that you have not yet made in relation to saying yes to God and yes to Jesus. Uh, maybe you're well aware of that choice. You made a choice a long time ago to say yes to Jesus, to walk in his ways, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to go down his path. But did you know that's not the last time you need to make the choice? You, Christian, follower of Jesus, have to make the choice to be in the presence of God and to follow after him every single day for the rest of your life. You've got a choice to make every day, believer, because left to your own devices, without a renewal in your reading, through and with the Spirit of God, we tend to drift and we start to think, I've got this worked out, I know how this goes. The knowledge of good and evil, it swells up again and we're starting to do things on our own and just amble through at our own pace. So we all have to make that choice, not only for the first time, but every time we draw breath almost as it were. Will I be God's or will I be my own? Now, when it comes to making choices regarding the presence of God, I want to ask you, what choices are you making right now regarding the presence of God? Regarding God's presence in your life, what choices are you making in terms of cultivating it, in terms of working your Eden? How do you cultivate the presence of God in your life? How do you do it? Can you point to something? Can you say that or this? This helps. This doesn't. I avoid that. I do that. What does it look like? I'm asking you folks, have a think right now. Can you bring something up and says, that helps me in relation to the presence of God. I'd like to think being here today is a good start. You're having the preaching and the proclamation of the word of God being spoken over you. I trust that it's helping you cultivate the presence of God in your life right now. If not, let me know. The Holy Spirit must have left. We better go and look for him. Well, I came up with a list of seven. I reckon there's probably more, but uh, this is what I came up with. Passionate worship. Number one in terms of cultivating the presence of God in your life. Now, you may have seen that and immediately thought music, singing. Pastor wants me to stand up and lift my hands and sing really loud and be passionate. Well, yes, thank you. That'd be great. That's fine. But as you would probably know if you've been around long enough, worship really reflects far more than a few songs on Sunday morning. It's our whole commitment and dedication to following after Jesus and living the will of God out in our lives. So, yes, passionate worship is well expressed in times of music and song, but it reflects to our whole life being passionate in response to following after Jesus. So that's one I'd put on the list. Second one, authentic prayer. So yes, prayer uh, which uh, is, is guided is good and Jesus gives us a prayer that we can pray called the Lord's Prayer but 
Somewhere in that process, there's got to be some truth-telling outside of ourselves and spoken into the presence of God. We don't pray to God what we think he wants to hear or what we think we should say, but we tell him how we're going on the inside and we speak into his atmosphere that he might speak back to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So in terms of cultivating the presence of God, I'd put that on the list too. Three consistent Bible reading. Now you might think, gee, that sounds a bit dry. I can't see the presence of God in here. But you want me to read it regularly? How does that work? I'm telling you. God speaks through his word. As you read these words, the nature and the character of God is in effect spoken over you and the Holy Spirit takes them and creates, if you like, a presence, Eden moment in your life. That's another way to experience the presence of God in your life. Many of you have heard me tell the story how I got a one-year Bible and said, I'm going to read the entire Bible this year. And I'm starting at the start and I'm reading the little readings, New Testament, Old Testament, Psalms and Proverbs. Gets to May. Couldn't tell you anything of significance that's happened in that time. But I've made a commitment. I'm going to read this Bible. Whether <laughs> it kills me in the process. And my little Eden is on the lounge suite at 16 Catherine Avenue, Flinders Park, the only home that Judy and I have ever attempted to buy and failed. Um, and uh, there we are, there I am. It's been five months and I start reading about Hannah, who's desperate for a child. There it is again, folks. We can't get away from that baby thing. As she can't have one. And her world's falling apart and she keeps getting reminded of it and she cries and she stops eating and she's just distraught until she has this moment of revelation where she surrenders the desire for a child to God and says, in fact, you have my firstborn son and and may he serve in your ministry. And I'm reading this and the Holy Spirit's talking to me and says, son, give me your first and your best because I am the living God who is worthy of your worship and wants to be with you. And the presence of God is there in that place as I'm reading this story after five months of not very much at all. God speaks and prepares a pathway in my heart for service. Why read the Bible? Well, that's why. Because God is there and he is seeking those that will seek him and want to intersect with him. So passionate worship, authentic prayer, consistent Bible reading, God is in them, prompt obedience, ouch, obey, it's like taking medicine, feel sick. But no, the option, it's actually the reverse. Disobedience is death, as Adam found out. So prompt response and God sees the one that responds and his presence is found in that place. Regular fellowship here at the Hills Christian Family Centre in your small group with other believers in some form, in some way. Six, sacrificial love. That willingness to do something out of the ordinary, to reach out to someone, to give something away that's costly to just touch someone with a gift of time or words or energy in some way. And finally, number seven, 
expectant faith. That belief inside that God will do what he said he's going to do. That he will act and move as he has said in his scripture. Friends, if you can embrace those seven, then you will experience the power of God in a way that perhaps you haven't yet or maybe you did a long time ago, but that's the pathway to it. Adam had to work at his Eden. He wasn't just sitting back, hands in the air, saying, what a lovely garden. But God gave him something to do. He he had to work at this place where God was. All right? And it's the same with us. We've got to put something into it. We've got to put something into it. Okay. All right, let's move to... There we are. Now this is after the disobedience of Adam and Eve has come into it. There's now a woman there. I can't go through that story. It was quite exciting. You know why it was called woman? Have you heard this joke before? Because I'm desperate to tell it. So, you know, Adam's there. God makes Eve. Adam wakes up and he goes, whoa, man. It makes me laugh. And so the woman was called woman, said the Bible, not. Let's read this scripture and work out where we're up to. Okay, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man Where are you? And just as the words come out, I just want you to hear God saying it to you now. Where are you, says the Lord? Where are you, child? You're hiding. You're away. You're not in my presence in some way. Where are you? It's just a beautiful picture that Adam and Eve hear the sound of God walking in the garden. They they recognise the steps of God. Even even though they've sinned, they, they sense him approaching. They know who it is. But now shame has come in and they hide from their maker. We seem very familiar with the concept of us approaching God. We talk about it a lot, but don't forget it's God that initiates the approach first. God steps into our space and calls out, where are you? Where are you? Sadly, at times, because of things, our sin nature our reluctance to deal with issues that have occurred in our life through a desire for our own life and our own way, at times we hide. We just hide. 
And amazingly in this case, the garden that God gave Adam and Eve to be in, the garden that was meant to be a blessing and to be enjoyed, comes the thing that the people put up to keep God out. And friends, I want to ask you a question today and I want you all to reflect on it. What blessings that God has brought into your life do you use to keep him at arm's length? What things that are meant to be for your enjoyment do you then pick up and say, no God, I'm making this the priority. Your family? No, I can't. (laughs) Can't do that, God. Can't be at church. Got to see my family. Your work? Sorry, Lord. (laughs) Got to work. Can't do that. Got to work. Your home? Your possession? Sorry, Lord. Got to clean that. Got to buy that. Your hobby? Sorry, Lord. (laughs) I've got to be there. I've got to do that. The things that we're given to enjoy that we then pick up and say, sorry, Lord, I'll be hiding over here. I can't come into your presence today or tomorrow. In fact, I think it's been a while since we engaged in an Eden sort of a way. Friends, it's not original to us. It's been happening since the start, but God is still calling everyone here today. Where are you? Where are you? He says again, insert your name here. Where are you, David? Where are you, son? I'm here. I'm seeking. I'm in the garden. I'm in Eden. I'm reaching out to you. What are you hiding from me today? Where are you, boy? Talk to me. And sadly, Adam has made his choice. And for his safety and for the sake of all of us, the Eden that he experienced is gone. At least temporarily, praise be to God. It says, so when the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now they might seem like strange images. The best thing to do at this point is to understand that cherubim are angelic beings that then found their way onto the Ark of the Covenant, the centrepiece of uh, Israeli worship where they represented the presence of God. God didn't destroy Eden. He just guarded it and marked it with a way through which humans then had to approach in the future. It started with the sacrificial system and then it ended with the sacrifice of all time, Jesus Christ. We may still approach through Jesus Through the Holy Spirit, God goes one step further and we get what Adam never had, the presence of God within us. And I want to encourage you folks, wherever you stand on this spectrum today, wherever you might stand, wherever you might be, perhaps you're a person 
that hasn't said yes to Jesus for the first time yet, you're still saying <laughs> yes. He's still over there. And you're hiding and you just, I just, I don't know if I want to be found by him yet. Maybe that's where you are. I want you to know today that God is still saying, where are you? He's still looking, he's still searching. He wants you to put your hands down and allow him in. For everyone here who has said yes to Jesus, God renews his call to you today. Where are you, child? Come into my presence, even right now. Receive again the refreshing of my spirit. Because God wants to renew his relationship with us. He doesn't just want one spectacular, I walked out the front of church and I said a prayer and the band played. He wants us to be with him, always being renewed in the Holy Spirit, renewed in our relationship with him. He's calling to you today. Will you give God the Father what he wants? Let's find out. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are the persistent God. We thank you that you sought us out from the very start. You gave us life that we breathe because of who you are and that you desire relationship with the one that you brought into being. You want to be Eden for us and with us and in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you today, firstly, for everyone here who has responded to your invitation, who has said yes, who has experienced Eden. But Lord, I'm also praying for the same people here today that even right now as we speak and we pray, they would have a renewal of your presence in, your own, in their own lives right now. Father, I'm praying right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you yourself are touching people, you are speaking over them, where are you? And then, Lord, I hear you saying, there you are. There you are, son. There you are, daughter. There you are. I just feel God touching hearts right now and saying, it's good to see you. It's good to be together. Father, I pray that you would renew Eden in hearts this morning, that people would be filled with imagination and dreams and visions about being in your presence, about being in a special space, about being somewhere where you are with them and they are with you, where there's no hiding, there's no separation, there's no disappearing act, but instead there's fellowship renewed and fellowship restored. Father, I pray for that across this place today, that those that have your spirit and those that receive you are renewed in their relationship and their restoration of you today. Lord, secondly, I pray for those here in this place that are still hiding, 
that are still keeping you at arm's length. They've heard about this Eden. They hear about this relationship, but they haven't yet stepped off. They haven't yet lifted off. And they're still just keeping you at arm's length. Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, the day of relationship, that they would be restored, that they would come into relationship for the first time with you, Lord, and that they would receive your spirit and experience a place and a space like they have never, ever known before. I pray for those people that as we sing, they would respond and say yes to you. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Folks, we've got a bit of time uh, as the band starts to play this morning. And I think